On today's show, it's a book you've seen in comic shops again and again and might not have picked it up. I'll give you the lowdown on Killing and Dying. Welcome to Panelism, the show where we talk about the comics and graphic novels worth having on your shelf. I'm Taylor Trask. I'm Todd A. (laughs) I'm so plucky and I don't know why. (laughs) I know why I am. It's because I forgot that I had uh, an iced coffee in my fridge (laughs) until about 5 p.m. And that was a terrible, terrible idea to be like, ooh, 5 o'clock coffee. So, yeah, I'm, I'm very, very plucky. I see. Well, this takes us almost back to the days of coffee and comics where you would just, iced coffee was your pick almost every time. Yeah. It wasn't tea. Oh it was either gunpowder green or iced coffee. They're opening Phil's Coffees uh, in multiple locations now. And, oh, it's going to be so hard to stay away from that. Is I'm, Phil's I'm, like the California version of In-N-Out Burger for coffee, essentially? It's the, it's, uh, you will know it from uh, the show Silicon Valley. So that's how I think of it. It's mm. like, yeah, mm-hmm. yes, it is the California version of that, but it's like the snooty Silicon Valley version, you know. Where Ehrlich uh, ba- Bachman goes and just has like all the day old muffins and, and just sits there <laughs> in his own misery. Where, um, <laughs> oh my God, out wide of the names escaped me. Um, uh, but they go in the Pied Piper jacket. <laughs> oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Dinesh yeah. and uh, Gilfoyle go and Gilfoyle. He's like, My name's Jared. Oh, boy. Um, have you speaking of speaking of things to see, uh, right before we started recording, I happened to catch the new international dark Phoenix trailer, um, coming out and I, I'm strangely excited by this movie and I'll tell you why Todd, I (laughs) was, I I was, uh, when X-Men one came out in 2000, it was one of my favorite movies of all time because it was this, you know, this very earnest, grounded more or less superhero movie that just it, say what you will about the leather suits i i really liked the way they put that together and then x2 came out and totally rocked my world it built on that that world and that storyline and and started to and then, thread the gene gray dark phoenix yeah. needle which at the very tip of the end of x-men one there's a quick glimpse where you're like, ooh, something's up with Gene. And then the second movie really fleshes mm-hmm. that out. And so when X3 was announced, yeah, I was... Yeah, they brought it all together in this beautiful <sighs> finale that was absolutely perfect. And- yeah, yeah. We, 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 I shouldn't even... I mean, I, sh- I, could, I, could be, I could be in trouble for even mentioning that X3 still exists. Um, I'm sort of breaking protocol there. But, but one of the biggest letdowns of my cinematic viewing life so the entire time, like when they rebooted it and you know they brought in the McAvoy, McAvoy cast and everything, like my hope in X-Men was renewed. And then we've had some, you know, Apocalypse was, uh, meh, but mm. still, still better than X3. So when they announced Dark Phoenix, I'm like, okay, this is a do-over. Even though the guy directing it had a heavy hand in, the, in X3, it's not Brett Ratner, so that's all that matters. And, you know, that we've had some kind of mixed mixed uh reactions on trailers and promotional stuff and it's like okay but this international trailer really man it sells a movie that i want to see really badly and i hope if this is going to be the last x-men movie for a while if not for good 
Um, I, which it very well may be. I, it looks like they're going to try to do this. I mean, it's not going to be loyal to the comic story. Uh, you know, that was never going to happen. But what they're going to give us is a return to form, hopefully, to those those first two movies. Well, now, I mean, I, so I had not been aware that this was out until you mentioned it before we started recording. Um, it, what is the significance of this being the international trailer? Is there a domestic one that you've also seen, which is not as cool? Or is there no domestic one? Domestic one, there was one that they released, I think, last week or the week before, fairly recently. That was the U.S. version. I Honestly, I don't know why the hell they have U.S. and international versions. It, no one gives a shit. It doesn't matter. No one looks at it like in those lens, that, through that lens. But the international one, quote unquote, has, it is a different – it's different newer footage. And it, it really – instead of just kind of chaos and Gene Gray's evil and oh, no. Like this is much more – this walks you through the story beats. Like mm. they go to space to do this. Then she – it's it's just a lot more deliberate and you really get a sense of the movie – and you're not like kind of going and rolling the dice going, am I going to like this? Like, it's kind of like a trailer used to be where it's like, Hey, here are the beats. Um, doesn't have the guy narrating it like in a world where, you know, that's not there. <laughs> um, but strangely enough, this came out and then the newest Shazam trailer um, hit, I think yesterday or the day before or over the weekend. Oh, that looks killer that either. I was already in the bag for that movie anyway, but this gives us more Mark strong as uh, Savannah. And uh, I, man, I, I think Shazam is going to be the hidden gem of the superhero movie verse this year. I think, you know, Aquaman was great, but that was more of a Christmas, you know, Thanksgiving Christmas movie. This, I think Shazam is going to be the, the sleeper hit. I'm just going to put it out there. Well, I'll just uh, mention this because I'm not going to get a better segue, but I had a, a very involved conversation with my father before we started recording, um, trying to explain to him um why Captain Marvel was a woman because he remembers <laughs> Captain Marvel as Shazam. Oh no. And, you know, cause that's what Shazam was called mm-hmm. for 70 years or whatever. And so he thought that all this like hype about the Captain Marvel movie and some, and he, he thought there was some controversy surrounding it because it was a woman. And, and I had to oh, explain interesting. the, uh, copyright and trademark nuances of this <laughs> to my father, the attorney. But I'll note that when we we shouldn't poo-poo international versions because remember in Iron Man three when he travels oh. to China to get oh, an yeah. operation. <laughs> oh my word! Yeah, oh, that's right. Don't... But if you don't remember that, it's because it only happened in the Chinese cut of Iron Man three, and I can't remember how we found that out, but that fucking blew my mind it was like on a podcast somebody yeah like emailed in or something and told us about that or you told me and it just my well then we watched it i remember watching yeah this is all i mean i'm well on the chinese trying to get into movies it's like it's it makes it's not necessary it's 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 so it is so shoehorned in that it's an insult to the chinese audience it's like look china we will include you but only in this really specific way that has no bearing on the plot whatsoever here you go Just kind of like I was. Uh, oh, I was watching Pacific Rim Uprising over the weekend. Which eh, I mean, if it's not if it's not Del Toro, don't even bother. It's it, they tried. You know, they really did try. But it's 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 a shadow of the first movie, which I really liked, by the way. As bonkers as it was, it was really good looking bonkers. This one. It's like they tried so hard to be like, look, and all the same people are coming back and we're going to make it, you know, really tie the connective tissue together. But just it was such a weak sauce story. Mm. But the reason I bring it up 
there was a Chinese character. Clearly, there was Chinese co-production because there was a major Chinese character who spoke in Mandarin most of the time and even like bitched at one of the characters that his Mandarin was not good enough. And I was like, oh, see, this is how you do Like, She's yeah. crucial to the plot. Um, this makes more sense. If you're going to do a Chinese co-production, do, make it intentional from the beginning. Right. Don't don't make them the doctors that save Tony Stark's life at the end, but not really because, you know, he's he's fine. Everybody's fine. It just it was so weird. It's such a yeah. damn. Anyway. However, speaking of connective tissue. <laughs> oh, yeah. There's no segue out of that. I'm sorry. The doctor. No, there is. Oh, in okay. Iron Man three in the Chinese operating uh, scene. Maybe not the doctor, but one of the, the actors in that was Fon Bingbing, who plays blink in x-men days of future past who's also missing still if i'm not mistaken i, no, I think she came back but oh, she, she is also the white-haired <laughs> witch which as you know is one of my favorite magic ninja movies and is available to watch in its entirety for free on youtube i didn't realize uh, she was in that she is the star of the she's the star witch. oh yeah. you had mentioned that we had did a podcast episode i don't yeah. know which number it is where you talked about those movies yeah. And I remember you mentioned that. Okay. All right. Boy, well, we really went off the rails with that. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know yeah. where you were going. Shazam, Captain Marvel. Shazam, thing. Captain Marvel. And now comics. I'm going to do a book <laughs> review this week. And and I'll give you a little preface. This is I – had, I had plans to review another book. I won't say its name. A, a small sort of kind of comic trade hybrid. You know, Not long enough to be a trade but too long to be a comic. Didn't quite – maybe I'll talk about it on a future episode, but it didn't quite – work you know we're, we're talking about the comics and graphic novels worth having on your shelf and it didn't quite measure up so i was i was in a weird pinch um and yesterday i had a had a killer deal on amazon for a book i ha- kind of have my pull list on amazon for at any given time so you know if i walk into a comic shop i can go through it you know get the stuff i need or if amazon's got a really killer deal on something i'll, I'll grab it there and in this particular case one of those books was on a killer deal and it came and i just i i cranked through it last night um, and wanted to talk about it today. And that is a book that I know you'll have seen Todd in various comic shops and bookstores. And even like in, in the Barnes and Noble comics section, most of our listeners will have seen it. It's a book that you can't, I mean, once you see it, you're like, I got to get that book someday. And I finally did. And I'm glad I did. It's called killing and dying by Adrian Tomine. And oh, wow. Yeah. And it's published by Drawn and Quarterly. And, and the reason you're going to know it, it, once you see the cover, it'll become instantly clear. The cover is a uh, mostly brown tan uh, book with, with a very sort of um, very geometric, uh, very sort of layered uh, art on the front. But then it's covered in a plastic book jacket that has the words killing and dying on the book jacket so that it creates this kind of 3D shadow layer effect as it sits on the cover. So if you take the book jacket off, you actually lose a crucial part of the cover art, which is kind of cool because I tend to not like book jackets. Yeah, exactly. They don't serve a function. I, I almost, unless they're super duper cool, I tend to remove them and, you know, just keep the book as it is. This is a book that you will definitely want to um, keep all parts of it. And it's, it's, it's this wonderful little, it's, you know, in, in true drawn and quarterly fashion it is you know it's almost a work of art onto itself you know before you even open it it's just it's cool to look at cool to have on your shelf but once stop real quick and google killing and dying graphic novel and you're gonna see the cover and you're gonna know exactly the book i'm talking about you're gonna be like oh that book i see it all the time we're gonna talk about it we're gonna get into it um adrian tomine has uh 
and I'm, I hope I'm pronouncing that correctly. I don't think it's Tomin, but um, actually, that's how I've heard it. But Tomine? I don't know. Yeah. Really? Well, we'll say Tomin then. Fine. Adrian Tomin. Um, it's probably uh, something. Uh, it's the third option we don't even know about. Yeah, probably. He's a very accomplished uh, author. He, in this particular case, he uh, did the story and the art. Um, he's done some other stuff, Sleepwalk and other stories, Summer Blonde, Shortcomings, New York Drawings. Uh, very, very impressive bench of work. This is kind of, uh, you know, one of his, one of his marquee uh, releases. It's divided into six smaller stories and i'll go through each of those in just a minute and you know he did it all start to finish all the arts all the you know the stories everything this is this is truly one of those like creator titles that just you know from start to finish you get a full sense of this guy's brain and what he you know what he was you know the things he was trying to put out there concepts he was trying to break down and, and all that good stuff um where should i begin i'm trying to think of yeah you know what we'll talk about that we'll talk about the six stories so I'm not going to go through them all in, in depth, but I'll give you the titles and I'll break them down a little bit. Uh, the six stories, and it's it's very it's not an anthology. Um, you know, they don't they don't relate necessarily. There's some thematic stuff that works um, across all the stories, but it's it's more like um, it's, it's a lot like that Black Mirror episode where the girl goes to the roadside thing and she kind of hears it's, 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 you know, that black mirror episode that breaks down all the different, um, Oh my gosh, I don't think I've seen this one. Oh my heavens. Well, anyway, there's, there's a black mirror episode that does this, but it's, it's got these six stories. Definitely. They're very self-contained and wonderful. And there's, there's some thematic tissue, but more or less they stand on their own. They're titled as follows. Um, a brief history of the art form known as Horta sculpture. That's one of them. Another one's called Amber sweet. Then go owls translated from the japanese killing and dying it's you know, itself is a, is a story in here and then one called intruders across the board the art is uh very very much uh very much in the same vein very simplistic uh very clean lines um a lot of empty space in the panels um very deliberate use of color um and the whole thing is is very grid based, uh, very with the exception of probably uh, the only one that doesn't quite fit a very tight grid is translated from the Japanese, which I'll talk more specifically about in a minute. But everything is it uses uh, either a nine grid um, very loyally or just a very rigid grid pattern. Some of the stories, maybe the grid, the one, the actual story called "Killing and Dying," uses probably one, two, three, four, four, eight, twelve, sixteen, like a twenty <laughs> grid, twenty grid page. So very compact um, art uh, in each of these. So the the attention on character and uh, you know where a character's you know attention is, you know, point of view or, or focal view is 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 going, all that's very well considered. It almost looks like somebody wrote a uh, red Scott. Um, uh, understanding comics the uh the book i just oh my god i want to say scotty on that's not right uh no that is correct right uh mcleod scott mcleod oh, scott mcleod jesus i'm so sorry sorry scott sorry. um yeah different scotty we like scotty young yeah also. there's too, too many names that are similar it's almost like somebody read understanding scott, uh, comics by scott mcleod and and really put it on the practice like and not <laughs> in a not in an amateurish way or a uh you know a grade school way like this is this is definitely like the you know, uh, creator at the at the peak of his powers right but it's 
a lot of this, a lot of the principles in understanding comics, you know, uh, use of space and, and setting and character, you know, how, how you understand a character and how you draw a character and points of view and all that stuff. It's all very much on display here. It's like, it's purposely, it's almost like he's uh, like Adrian uh, Tomine is, is, um, is, is really flexing his muscles and, and showing you the fundamentals in a way that you are, it's really pleasing to see. I will say this is a book that if you are just looking to kind of like, if you want something fluffy and fun and poppy, this is not a book for you. This is the very definition of a literary graphic novel. It's, you know, it's, it's got some higher, it, it requires some patience. It's, um, you know, it, it rewards you for that patience pretty quickly, but it, you can't just flip through it and be like, oh, that was fun. You know, you can read each story, you know, on their own. Maybe if you want to you know, read a story a, a night before you fall to bed, that's fine. Um, but definitely you want to be paying attention. You want to be able to take it in and, and think about it. And it's, it's very much a graphic novel in that sense. So let's, well, oh, go ahead. Were you familiar with anything else that uh, Adrian had done prior to this? Only via covers, you know, if you walk right. into some really good uh, comic stores, um, floating, floating world in Portland is a great example. You're going to see a lot of drawn and quarterly books and, you know, his name's on quite a few. And so I, I've been familiar with him from that angle and I've been wanting killing and dying for a while. It's one of, you know, not to sound like a broken record, but it's one of those books. Every time you walk into a store, it's there. And you're like, one of these days I got to get this thing. Cause it looks cool. Oh yeah. This is um, one of those I think of at the drawn and quarterly booth at comic cons where you, you know, at picked it up so many times i'm like oh boy yeah i'm not yeah. ready for this yet <laughs> yeah and by the way definitely buy if you're gonna get it definitely buy it physically and definitely buy the hardcover version there's Ooh. a um paperback version that looks fine but it does not have this killer cover wrapping and, and everything and just the the physical artifact of this thing is definitely something you want uh hardcover and you i mean i would this would not be the same experience reading digitally. You have to have, you have to, you have to engage with it physically to really sort of appreciate the material fully. The, also the pages are really thick and, and just beautiful to look at. And this, this is just something you want. You want to appreciate the art in its, in its entirety in a physical form. Yeah. So let's break down these, these six stories. I'm not going to go into, into too much depth because there's a lot of surprises along the way. Um, it's just, it's a good intellectual exercise to go through these yourself. But the first one, um, Horta sculpture, uh, this was a little tricky. It's the very first story. And for me, it was a little hard to get into. That's why I gave that preface just a moment ago. Um, first couple pages, you're like, what is going on here? And horticulture is, is kind of like the, uh, the graphic novel Wilson. It's, it's a series of four panel little vignettes that are all linear. It's, you know, it's all the same story, but it keeps, it kind of jump cuts in these little four panel chunks. The art doesn't change like Wilson does, which is, uh, for this is, appreciated because it would be way too confusing. Um, but you get these little four panel chunks and you kind of, this, the, the, where he's going with the story isn't quite apparent at first. So I bring this up cause I almost, I almost didn't want to start reading this last night. Cause I'm like, Oh man, this looks hard to get into. It's not, it, it's wonderful. So just put up, you know, really be patient with it for the first couple pages and then you'll be fine. Where, what you find out is it's a story about a guy named Harold and his wife who was actually a mixed race couple, which is kind of cool. And it's, 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 kind of a meditation of what art is and how to mix an artistic pursuit with a day job and then how that struggle impacts a marriage. So it's very much this, this uh, character study on these two people. The guy, Harold, is trying to create this new art form called Horta Sculpture, where he takes cement and, and, and um, he's, uh, I think he's like a, 
oh, what do you call the, the people who work on lawns and, and, and clean up lawns and all that stuff? I, a gardener? I, kind of, but not, but, but even, le- but even a rung down from that, you know, it's very much a, it's very much like a blue collar kind of thing. And so he creates this, he's, he's going to revolutionize the art world with this thing called Horta sculpture. Nobody wants it. You know, everybody's making fun of him. It's straining his marriage. He's, he's so obsessed with trying to make this work that he's neglecting his day job. So it's, it's, it's very much a classic story of a guy who wants to do art, but doesn't know if he's good enough for it. And meanwhile, it's sabotage his, his obsession with it is sabotaging everything else around him. Um, there's a use of it. One more thing I, I did note in my notes. It's kind of like if you're a King of the Hill fan and what if Bobby Hill grew up, he'd kind of be this guy. They even draw him very <laughs> like it almost the physical drawing of him kind of looks like Bobby Hill. And you're like, man, this is kind of the way he talks sort of the, his voice very, very similar to a grown-up Bobby Hill. It's very interesting. Um, the use of color in this is interesting, too. The first couple panels and pages, are, it's black and white. And then all of a sudden, a full page comes in that's all color. And it, at first, I wondered, is he doing this? Uh, you know, are the colored pages only on those scenes where he's got, you know, it, it seems they, they kind of kick in when he's got a hopeful moment where it's mm. like, oh, that's not necessarily true because um, there's another page of color stuff where it's not hopeful, but like, you know, there's a dream sequence where he's imagining what it would be like if this all worked out for him. And that's in color. Um, there's another scene where he hears his daughter trying to stick up for him. That's in color. So there's, it's interesting when it does come back into color. I don't know if it was intentional, if it just sort of luck of the draw worked out that the first, um, cause it kind of, it seems like it's, it's like the, the first page of a new section starts off in color and then it goes back to black and white. Um, but very, just all around a really good little story. Second one is called Amber Sweet. Can uh, I ask you a question oh, there? Yeah. Uh, just to just not to jump ahead, but does that color, uh, the use of color, like go through every story here in that way, or like is the, is that a you know a, a motif or a theme that is repeated from story to story, or is does every story have its own unique uh, coloring? Great question. No, uh, each story <laughs> is very much self-contained. Oh, okay, cool. There's stuff. I mean, they look they're drawn somewhat similar because um, Adrian has a, a very yeah. sort of simplest minimalist way of drawing and his use of panels. So like there's a, you know, they'll, they'll visually look similar. Um, he, he does deliberately draw some characters different from story to story. So you get a sense of, of how, you know, given his sort of palette, how he differentiates things, but no, every story is, you could break, you can almost sell each one of these as a little mini graphic novel and be perfectly happy. Uh, they're just, they happen to be collected in this, in this book. And there is, like I said, there's thematic tissue that does connect them all. There's not characters or, or storylines that repeat, but there is sort of a sense of, of these character studies of these people, these, these vignettes that he's either experienced firsthand or he knows people who've, who've been these people and he collects them here. And it's, it's kind of a nice meditation on what it is to be a, a person, you know, hmm. in 20, in 2019, even though this, this was created a couple of years ago there's a lot of, of modern day parallels that I think are, are really good uh, to consider. So another one is, is called Amber sweet. It's about a female college student who gets confused for an online porn star. So everywhere she goes, people are like snickering and she finally figures out what it is. It's this, it's this other girl who's this porn star online who looks a lot like her. It, that messes with a lot of her relationships over time and her ability to get things done and all this stuff. Really good, interesting story, and then there's a really fun little twist at the end that I really, really liked, both in terms of how the story is being told, but also what happens to her. So that's really fun. Uh, third story is called Go Owls, 
No. It's about a man and a woman who meet at an AA meeting and start a codependent relationship, a very unhealthy codependent relationship. Mm. Uh, he, the man, is a pot dealer, and she's kind of just sort of a, a you know, this sort of soul. She's not quite sure what, you know, this lost soul, not sure what she's doing with her life. Reminds me a lot of the Jesse and Jane relationship in Breaking Bad. If you've ever seen that, very, very similar. In fact, I would even wonder if one wasn't inspired by the other. Uh, I don't know which one came first, probably Breaking Bad, but this this has interesting interesting parallels to that. Uh, well, the title comes from the fact that they're both Owls fans. There's a sports team called the Owls, um, and she's wearing an Owls t-shirt when he meets her at the AA meeting. So that's where that comes from. And again, there's a great twist ending that is sort of sad, but also like, oh, that's you know, knowing that. There, that he's taking these stories to a, a place you don't necessarily expect is really is really fun to see. Now, I, th- I think I, I can guess the answer to this question, but do you get the sense that these are stories drawn from real life that he's kind of adapted, or are they just you know pure fiction, or you know, do you get any feeling on that? Man, that's a good question. My take is that the there has to be a hint of reality in each of these. Otherwise, I just I don't know. There's so much nuance, and it's such a relaxed storytelling that I'm like he has to know somebody right. in, in these positions because it's it's too easy to make them too fantastical or too dramatic if there wasn't a real world connection of some kind. This is a great segue because the next story is called "Translated from the Japanese," and this has to be real. It's 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 <laughs> written from the point of view of a mother who's taking her son to America uh, to reunite with their father who'd been over here teaching. Hmm. And it's all told through these beautiful single panel, uh, like full page single panels, very geometric in the, in the art and almost exclusively environment shots. You know, if there's no people represented. If you see people, hmm. you see like the backs of their heads, like at the, at the baggage claim at the airport or something, but it's not like, you see like the main character sitting there in the airplane or, you know, you know, it's, you see maybe the empty airplane seat or you see the baggage carousel, you know, spinning. So it's very much these, this, this kind of like this journal or these letters that she's writing to her son um, that he's reading. And then it's like, it's like the memory of the, of the places that, that accompanied the journey. Very interesting too. I think Adrian Tomai might be this. I should have done my research. He might be Japanese. I did some. <laughs> he he is Japanese. Well, he yeah. is, but he was born in America to um, American parents who uh, were both professors. Okay, so, so then there's definitely a some or all reality in this in this particular yeah. story called translated from the Japanese. Um, so that's got to be real. The one after that, uh, the the namesake of the book, Killing and Dying, is about a female stand up comic and her dad. And again, very oh odd, very just much the name of that in in uh, reference to comedy. Plus a, an elderly parent is like, oh, I can already oh, yeah. see the twists. Yeah. Well, and, and it's like, and, and it very much is about her kind of focused on her standup, you know, when, you know, when she succeeds and when she fails and how her dad fits into that, um, which you read it. And you're like, there's, this has to be a real person. Like if this, if he just invented this whole cloth um, well on him, because there's just, there's so much, it just feels so relatable. It feels like a story you heard about a friend or that, you know, oh, this is my, this is my cousin. You know, it's, it's just, it's so relatable. In that way, and that's the one that's got the uh, the very small panels. So mm. a lot of it is just you know blank blank uh, environment or very very minimalist environment. Like you know he, the the father's in a kitchen, so the father's full color, but the kitchen may be line you know black and white line drawings behind him, um, or they're in a 
in a uh, a windowsill. So you see like the window the window frame, but you know a blank wall behind them while they're hugging or something. In that wow. respect, it reminds me a lot of the art from the book uh, here, which if you've never seen, is also in those books that you find in Barnes and Noble a lot. That's a book I've talked about on past episodes, where it's just it's the same physical space. Uh, over the course of like 3000 oh, yeah, years yeah. That's that and you can one. flip right. forward and backwards and, and see, you know, the house that the space it takes on or before the house was built or long after the house is gone. Um, that, if you liked that art, this is very similar. This is a bit more refined cause that was very simplistic, but it feels like it's, it's part of the same family of art. Um, in fact, I would even wonder, I should go back and see if Adrian uh, to has anything to do with that book. Cause that, hmm. that would be, I, that just occurred to me now that that was a very similar thing. And then the final story is just called intruders. Um, much more, much more po- uh, poetic, uh, not, not necessarily like a story story so much as just kind of a, a person's narrating as, as they're observing things and things are happening. So kind of graphic or comics is poetry in that respect. So a really, a really good diverse, um, packet of, of, of six stories, like I said, there's there are themes that you know as you as you reread it, I'm sure I'll find new connection, you know, connecting points and um, parallels and, and mirroring going on. Uh, but you can enjoy each story individually, uh, and it's it just has this this wonderful kind of feeling of like this is this guy's this is what was in this guy's head at this particular time, and here it all is. And it's very much when we go back to have that conversation of of, of comics as. Uh, you know, when you when you buy books, you kind of feel like an art collector sometimes. This definitely fits in that that bracket of oh, I am I am. This is this is graphic novels as as you know, kind of as as literature as a yeah. higher form of the medium, which is always always not. You know, I, I definitely love the uh, the Rock and Sockham Robot versions of comics. You know, that just it, it just here it is. Obviously, there's I've had some some books and some things that that do that, but I also really like the the Thinking Man's books like this that that just make you feel like that the medium is striving for more and drawn and quarterly. Obviously that's a lot of what they do, especially when they package stuff this well. Um, but I, I highly recommend it, get it physically, get it hardcover and pop it on your shelf. Yeah. This was one. Um, the, and the reason I asked about the true stories was cause I, I just sort of had it mixed up in my head. Like I knew Adrian, uh, uh, Tomine had done an autobiographical work. Mm-hmm. Um, but as I look on the drawn and quarterly site, I'm assuming that I mixed this up with, uh, a previous book of his called scenes from an impending marriage. Oh, okay. Um, <laughs> uh, um, but I've been passingly familiar with him for a long time, uh, cause my brother went to art school and, you know, I would, uh, absorb any little tidbits of culture that my brother, uh, you know, passed along. And he had copies of Adrian Tomine's optic nerve, like self-published comics way back mm. when. So he, when he started popping up in, you know, uh, I know it's not exactly mainstream, but like big, once he got the, you know, drawn in quarterly books and stuff. And I started seeing his name, it was like, I made that connection of like, Oh wow. This is, you know, I remember his seeing his self-published comics a long time ago. And, um, he's just grown to like huge stature. So I'm so excited that you chose this book to talk about. And I have a recommended if you like, which is maybe only to the audience of one you, <laughs> but, um, <laughs> but, um, several years ago, drawn and quarterly put out these books, um, by a Japanese, uh, manga artist named Yoshihiro Tatsumi. <clears throat> and they were collections of like his short stories illustrated in in you know a 1960s kind of manga style mm-hmm. 
I, when you started talking about Adrian, I, I made that connection. I was like, wait. And I, so like literally as you were talking at the beginning of this podcast, I'm putting it all together and Googling this. Adrian edited and did the lettering and like design for those drawn and quarterly books. Mm -hmm. So I would say if you like this version of like those short, you know, personal stories where you feel like he had to have drawn this from real life. Um, the only one of uh, Tatsumi's books that I've read is Abandon the Old in Tokyo. And mm -hmm. I, I just loved it. Um, there's another volume of his stories out, but yeah, Adrian Tomine is connected to those. So there's another book that I've seen that I'm not realizing is him too, called New York drawings that oh. if you Google it, it, I've seen it, uh, in higher end comic stores, but I also saw it in the LaGuardia airport, uh, in one of their oh. kind of gift shops. I remember going, this looks cool. And I actually added it to, um, another of my, my wish list, not realizing yeah. that it was actually a true graphic novel by this guy. So I mean, is it a graphic novel or are these actual New Yorker cartoons? Like the cover <sighs> looks just like that. I don't know. I forget. Um, I forget what it is. I just, I'll have to go flip through it. Yeah. So he's done a lot of stuff. The, uh, the other thing you mentioned was the, um, uh, there's a collection. You'll see it in a lot of comic stores too. Uh, 33 stories, the complete optic nerve mini comics. Oh yeah. Yeah. Um, you'd mentioned that that's another book that if you, if you become an Adrian Tomine fan, again, just like an art collector, you're going to want to, you're going to want to have the, the full body of work of this guy probably. Oh yeah. I, this, what a great pick to feed into those conversations we've had recently about like the art gallery on your shelf. Like yeah. this is, yeah. I, I mean, it's seriously like, I'm just, I, as you're talking about it and I'm staring at the drone and quarterly website, I'm, I'm like recalling like how, you know, how great his stuff looks. And it's like, oh yeah, that, that would look good on the shelf. You know, I'd love to flip through that. And well, <laughs> I'll, I'll, confess, that I'll confess one final thing. When this, when this arrived and I was doing my research for the episode, I was like, who published this? I did not realize this was a, oh, I wow. mean, only because I, I kind of don't want to default to them every time a cool looking book pops up. Like, you yeah, know, like yeah. <laughs> their publishers do good work too. Arkea, you know, obviously is yeah, one yeah. of them. Like, so it's, re it's reverse confirming your own bias. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'm like, sure. And then I was like, Oh God damn it. Drawn it quarterly again. So it's, it's, it is one of those books. Like at some point I'm either just going to have an exclusive shelf of drawn and quarterly stuff, or that's just going to subsume my existing comic shelf. Oh my gosh. The way they package their books. Amazing. The, the sort of the unique um, angle of, of creators they publish. It really is like the, the really kick-ass if, if image is like, you know, that really good indie music label that's like, yeah, you're going to see artists that are just going to blow your mind. Drawn and Quarterly is like, hey, we're going to we're going to do this like, eight, you know, like 80 gram vinyl with like, you know, full color, <laughs> full color, you know, like like booklet and like an exclusive, you know, like you're, you're going to open it up and all this stuff's going to fall out of it. And it's just going to be this like never ending piece of music that's just going to be important and blah. That's Drawn and Quarterly for comics. Like they I just, gotcha. <laughs> they just i can't think my my music uh knowledge is, is i can't name an actual labels so i just had to, to images merge records and drawn um, and quarterly is like when vinyl me please does a re-release there you go <laughs> there you go the 80 gram vinyl yep. i mean I, you you like I, you might as well just default when you get that beautiful book to thinking uh, to thinking it's drawn and quarterly uh because one of the other wonderful things is that i, I think you can take Adrian Tomine's work and put it right next to like Guy Delisle and yes, uh, any you know, I, uh, is Harka Vagrant on Drawn and Quarterly? Yes, <laughs> yeah, just any of those like cool looking hardbound books and go, you know, this it fits perfectly. Um, yeah, 
I, I'm, Eaton, yeah. I just forgot Kate, the name. That's exactly. I was, I was like racking my brain. I know it's Kate. Um, cool. And strangely I, enough, that's where it's going to go on my shelf. I have all my, by no, by no, you know, strategy, just all my drawing and quarterly stuff kind of, there's a center of gravity to it. So it's all together. Like, you know, that, and then, um, um, oh God, hang on. <laughs> I'm going to, I'm gonna actually walk to my shelf. Cause there's one I want to read off to you. Hang on here. It's, uh, Blankets by Craig Thompson. Obviously, we talked about that. Kate Beaton. Oh, yeah, yeah. But then also um, uh, Linda Berry's What It Is, which I'll probably review on another episode. That's another drawn and quarterly book. It's just, it's just, it never ends. And you're like, how much? I mean, Wilson, Daniel Close, drawn and quarterly. It's just, they, they have this penchant for amazing stories and amazing packaging. It's, it's, it's interesting to me that they have not, Maybe they they have and I just don't know about it. But I don't know. They should do a a their own just drawn and quarterly store. I mean, at this juncture, like a imagine <laughs> a physical space designed to showcase their stuff and only their stuff. I mean that I may have to become a new level of comics fan if that ever comes to pass. Oh, it's a it's a embarrassment of riches from drawn and quarterly. Oh, I mean, it is, and like we've said before, we highly recommend subscribing to their mailing list because when mm-hmm. they do those discount sales, that's it's like otherwise. I mean, you can't. I can't even buy too much from them when they do that because it's like <laughs> it's going to take me so long to get through the. I still have not read Jerusalem, oh, no. which I've had sitting on my shelf for like a year uh, because it it's going to be such an undertaking, you know. Yeah, but yeah. um. Yeah, it's oh my gosh, they're they're wonderful. Um, I I would say uh, where where can people find us? Um, but I want to I wanted to say one more thing yeah. uh, before we wrap up, which is uh, you had brought up that uh, on our Instagram, which is one of the best places to find us, which is panelism.inc, um, that uh, some people have mentioned that they are going back through our shows, listening to the back catalog, and starting with episode number one. Um, I might advise starting with episode one hundred. Mm-hmm. And getting us to kind of tour through what we thought were some highlights because we mentioned episode numbers and we do like short synopses. And um, I don't know. What do you think about that? I actually I, think our first three episodes are pretty good, too. <laughs> I mean, they're not bad. It's, it's us trying to figure it out in real time. Yeah, exactly. Kind of fun. It's kind of fun to listen to. Um, and it's it's interesting. I always every week I go back and and look at our listener numbers and which episodes are getting uh, listens that particular week. And it always surprises me. Like, you know, episode 100 is always in there. Cause that's, it is a great place to start. It's, you know, we, we're pretty breathless through it, but it, we pack a lot into that episode. Um, yeah. so definitely check that one out. But, uh, you know, there's, there's episodes that pop up that I'm like, really? Like our, I think our Avengers infinity war review from last year is, is usually up there. Um, a lot of early game of Thrones talk before we spun that off as its yeah. own show called Wednesday and Westeros. So, which by the way, is coming back pretty soon. We're going to be talking about game of Thrones, uh, very, 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 very soon. Yeah. But yeah, I would definitely start with episode 100 and, and at any time, if you go back and you, you, there's an episode you like, or there's a book you want us to review, please let us know on Instagram or email us. We're info at panelism.inc. And you can find us online. Uh, Instagram's our best place. That is just panelism.inc, as Todd said. And that's also our domain, www.panelism.inc. That's .inc. And you can find this show and all our shows wherever podcasts are found, Apple Music, or rather Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Google Play, uh, and all the rest. Google, uh, search us and share it with your friends. Excellent. Thank you, Taylor. Uh, I, I, I guess that does it for us. So I will see you on the next episode.
What's your What's your tagline? You gotta say your tagline. Bro, bro talk, I'll talk to you on the next episode. No, no, well, no, you no, didn't no. lead me into it this time, which is uh, I'll see you then or I'll see you later. <laughs> that That's it right there. <laughs>